How's everyone doing this morning? Doing well today? All right. Morgan Sanchez got engaged this week. Congratulations back there. That's awesome. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? Make your life count for eternity. Make your life count for eternity. God has us here for a purpose. And that purpose is clear through Scripture. Some of us struggle trying to find out, what's God's will for my life? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? And we, we're trying to find our way through life and we feel discontentment or feel like we haven't arrived or we don't know what we're supposed to do. And, and the truth is this, we do have a mission on our lives to the people outside of our windows to tell them about Jesus Christ. And we are here because God has put us here. We aren't here for ourselves, we're here for him. And we're gonna unpack a message today that I believe could really help you and put your whole life in a new trajectory of completing and accomplishing the mission and purpose God has on your life. And so when God throws you opportunities, you step out, you jump into them, and then you try to use those opportunities to point people to Jesus. This past week, in Fight Club or Men's Ministry, we were aware of obviously a need in our world in Texas, and it was devastated. And sometimes we get so unattached because we're states away, we don't realize how people are suffering. And the tug was placed on hearts of Kent Miller, and Kent wanted to reach out to this community, so he contacted me, he's in Fight Club, and hey, can we do something? I said, absolutely. So I put a challenge out for our men to collect some, some canned goods and some bottles of water and, and anything that could help the people in Texas. And then I said, we can give resources and we can give cash. What happened next was truly unbelievable. Men gave, and we ended up having two full trailers and a Penske truck that was loaded. And Jim Rogers drove a Penske truck to, to Texas. And we had two contact points where people were getting these supplies that deeply need them. And then Kent Miller drove the Fight Club trailer fully loaded. And Nick Miller drove another trailer with water bottles and, and supplies. And they went to Texas. And because of men going there, God decided that he would put this on network news. Take a look at this in Texas. And you know, it has been almost one month since our state was hit by that deadly winter storm and still many people are in recovery mode. As KETK's Rachel Hackbarth is here to show us, one group is coming all the way down from Indiana to lend a helping hand right here in East Texas. Rachel. That's right, Casey. Fight Club is a faith-based organization. Their leader says that he was inspired to do this after he had a dream that he was helping people who were hurting from the storm. Now, for a week and a half, the Fight Club and members from their community have been gathering supplies like water and non-perishable food items, even collecting money. And today they finally arrived here in East Texas after driving 14 and a half hours, making their first delivery to the Tyler Senior Center. The organization says that they have been flooded with donations. People just kept pouring things in and contributing money for the expense of the trip as well as to hopefully get some grocery cards while we're down here and provide those opportunities for people as well. It's, a, it's an amazing feeling um, to be able to, to make this kind of connection and to have people from a completely different state pick Tyler, Texas to come and help our community uh, is an amazing feeling and we are extremely grateful. Robinette says this all happened after her brother was talking to a co-worker in Indiana about the situation here in Tyler and he happened to be a member of Fight Club. Now there are chapters of the organization all across the country. This particular group has around 600 members. Reporting live in the studio, Rachel Hackbarth, KTK News. Praise God. And God gave uh, our men a chance to share the gospel with many. There was a mission organization, a church that's reaching homeless people who live under the underpasses and overpasses. And our men and their families gave $14,000 and we were able to buy uh, cards to local grocery stores. And they, they had a brother there that had a passion to want to reach the homeless because of this devastation and didn't have resources. And our guys were able to hand them $3,500 in gift cards and take the message of Jesus to the, to the homeless in that community. God has purpose 
for our lives. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you why I believe that to be true and turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 26 to 31 of Genesis chapter 1. I'm asking you to stand with me as we read Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you everything, seed bearing plant on the face of whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food and it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. You may have a seat. Being a Christian means that you and I surrender our rights to the direction that God has determined us to go in. God has a journey. God has a purpose. God has a direction for you and me in our lives. That's not up for us to determine. That's already been determined by God. And as we see in this passage, the very first man and woman that was created, Adam and Eve, have a purpose that God has created them to do. And let me begin by reminding you of this truth that sometimes you need to speak to yourself because you'll hear the enemy whisper differently, but God doesn't create junk. And when he created us, you are valuable to him. He took the time to create you. Your birth is no mistake, or is it an accident? Even if your parents tell you you were an accident, hit the pause button and consider this. Before you were ever conceived, God wanted to create you. Before you were conceived, God determined to create you. The God of the universe decided to give you life. It was his idea to bring you into this world even if your parents left you and even if you have no idea who they are. God decided how you were to be born and it From a perfect God determining that meant there is value placed on you. God does not make rash or flippant decisions. He carefully thought it through. Your life and my life matters to God. God has a role for you in this world. Can I get an amen? He has purpose on your life. There is a mission for your life. He chose your parents He chose the country that you would be born into. He chose your hair or lack of hair. He chose your race. He chose the IQ number that's placed beside you. He even chose the talents and skills and abilities. And he said it was very good. He chose your birth date. Listen to me. He chose precisely every detail of your life before He even created the world. God knew from time ago, before we would say the foundation of the world was formed, that you would be here and he has a strategic mission for your life. There was nothing unplanned by Adam's birth, nor is there anything unplanned about your birth. God doesn't create junk. And... He created you and you and you and you and you in the image of God. Hebrew says in the amaudeo. In other words, we are created in the image of God. You were created as a special object of God's love. Just wrap your mind around that this morning. Maybe you didn't feel that way when you looked into the mirror. Maybe Friday when everything went south or Monday morning when you wake up, you struggle, but you are an object of God's love. God has never made a person he doesn't love. 
this week as I was running at Benton Spillway, it hit me. Not only did God give me life, but he gave me new life. He decided before the foundation of the world that Jesus would be slain on the cross. He decided before the foundation of the world that a sweet lady would tell me about Jesus as a five-year-old boy. He came after me when I was young. Like, not only did he give me life, he has given me eternal life. That is good news for those of us who know him personally. If you don't feel love, just wrap your mind around that for a second today. Those mere facts, quite frankly, motivate me to live and tell the world about Jesus. God has a purpose for his creation. God wants your life to count in this world. He believes in you. He has equipped you to fulfill his mission of reaching the lost. And he, listen to me, he gave his life for you. He wanted to express to us his love when he created us. Picture, if you can, Adam, as he looks across creation and God says to him, this is yours. I want you to take care of this, take care of the the animals and oversee them and I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to fulfill the mission that I've called on you for mankind to come. He says, I give you everything here and be fruitful and multiply. In addition to that, so that he could fulfill this mission, look at chapter two and verses 15 to 18. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. He warned him. And God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals And out of the birds of the sky, he brought them to the man so that he could name them. And then it says in verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. He gave him a companion. He didn't say, this is your purpose, be fruitful, multiply, figure it out. He resourced him, he gave him a wife, and because of that purpose, we're here today, thanks to Adam and Eve, praise God, huh? They completed their mission and the purpose that God had placed on their lives. He made you and me so that he could love us. The God of the universe that holds it together right now You are on his mind and he loves you. That should just put a bounce in your step today. God gave you life. He didn't have to give you life, but he wanted you here. And those of us who know new life, salvation, not only did he give us physical life, he gave us eternal life. God created you so he could love you and use you to accomplish his will on earth the wisest moments in your life are the ones you live with the final moment in mind wrap your mind around that for a second yes he created us yes he has purpose for us yes he's equipped us but the truth is the wisest moments in our life aren't for the here and now but it's for what's coming it's it's thinking about there's an eternity with him and and that we must prepare ourselves and prepare others for that eternity to come. You were created for more than you realize. The second you and I come to grips with this reality, it's a game changer. And you don't get to choose your purpose in life. God has already decided that purpose for you. Let's begin this search for your meaning or purpose by reminding us he has created us for a purpose. And I know it's challenging sometimes to say, what, what is it that God wants me to do? And I've been trying to do this, and I'm trying to figure it out. I think this is it. How can I accomplish his will? And I keep trying, the doors keep closing. I'm like, what's my purpose? Lord, I think this is it. Let me simplify. Your existence is not meant to be about you. 
Where would you be if God did not send his son Jesus Christ to die for you? It's not about you. Like when you woke up this morning, how many of you woke up this morning thinking, what can I do today? What can we achieve? Where can we go? What can, how many of you woke up and, and realized, my life is not about me. It's about me serving and pointing others to Christ. How can I live differently? Our lives are so consumed with us that we get so depressed over us. And the reality is maybe, just maybe, we're we're that way. It's because we're so consumed with us instead of with his purpose in our lives. And this search seems to puzzle people and even leaves many high school graduates overwhelmed. What do I do with my life? Do I get married? Do not get married? Do I get a job? Do I, do I go to high college? And it's almost like this overwhelming feeling of burden. They, they get to their senior year and it's like, they're scared and afraid. They don't know what they're supposed to do. And the reality is God has already determined the purpose for your lives. We talk about finding the will of God when in reality, it's never been lost. <laughs> the will of God isn't some mystical thing trying, well, I'll throw a fleece out here, I'll throw a fleece out there, I'll try to, listen, God has already determined the will for your life and the purpose for my life. Turn to Second Peter chapter three and verse nine. Let's unpack this purpose for our lives. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, as Peter gets to the end of these writings in first and second Peter, he winds it up by looking to the day to come. And then he says in second Peter chapter three and verse nine, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to what? Perish but everyone to come to repentance. God's will is listed there. He wants to seek and save lost people. He wants everyone to know who he is. He doesn't want people to perish, and he's passed that mission on to you and me. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Jim? Turn to Matthew chapter four and verse 19. Jesus articulated it. Look at Matthew chapter four and verse 19. Here's the purpose for your life. This is why you were created. The avenue and the method by which is, is, could be different for all of us, but here's the purpose. The outplay of what we're supposed to do is found in Matthew chapter four and verse 19. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to what for people? What's it say? Fish for people. God's will and God's purpose for your life and my life, it's not about us. Every day, here it is. Go fishing for people so they can find Jesus. That's the purpose. There's no other purpose. That's why you and I have been created. The will of God isn't some mystical thing. In fact, I love what J.D. Greer said in one of his writings. He said this, stop waiting on a mystical moment, a wet fleece, or a quiver in your liver. You are called to witness. You are called to be fishers of men. You don't need a voice. We got a verse in Matthew chapter four in verse 19. Your purpose in life will not begin by looking inside of yourself. You are not the creator of your life, so how could you ever know why you were created? Like, that's crazy. How would I know what the purpose for me was if I keep looking inside of myself? There is a designer that designed me and you. And he had a purpose in mind. So I don't look inside of me and think, one, why did I create myself? I didn't create me, God did. And the designer has a purpose for your life. He had it for Adam. Be fruitful and multiply. Take care of the land. Adam had no clue what his purpose was until God told him in the garden, rule, be fruitful, and multiply. Sometimes in life, there are, there are purposes for gadgets. This is a tool that I keep in my home, and if you've never used this, you most likely don't even know what this is. Some of you do know what this is. It's called a basin wrench or a sink wrench. It looks like a T. Like, what do you do with this thing? This is what a plumber 
or those of us who try to be plumbers use. You can turn it sideways and you can take the grip of the top and put it on a nut and it puts you in tight places under a sink and there are nuts under a sink. Yeah, there's nuts under the sink for sure. Me when I go under, anyhow. And it allows you to turn the nut in tight quarters. Some places you can't get a pipe wrench because the area is too tight. But this basin wrench was designed to be used under a sink for tight quarters. It has a purpose in mind, a significant purpose in mind. This is why this was created. In the same way, we have a purpose in mind. God has given us his will to fish for men and women who don't know Jesus. So we must ask the creator, why did you make us? What is my purpose in life? You know where it's found? We just read, it's found in the owner's manual. It's found in the word of God. God has created us to be fishers of men. Listen, you and I don't get to choose our purpose. We'd like to, wouldn't we? Well, I'd like to do that. God, I wanna go there. God, like, like, yeah, oh yeah, that's all me, I'm all in. Maybe God has a way and a different way for you to fulfill that purpose in what you think it is. When we begin to find it elsewhere or seek it elsewhere, we end up comparing ourselves to others and we want what they have instead of what God wants for us. And God has been forming us and building us and shaping us to fulfill that mission. Let me explain. I used to wonder a lot when I was in school, why I had to take trigonometry. I had no clue, like, how's this gonna help me in life? I remember when I would take calculus and think, like, how's this ever gonna help me? I remember as a freshman at Grace College, 7.30 in the morning, we had to take a music appreciation. There's not much at all you appreciate 7.30 in the morning, unless Ann was in the class. I appreciated that class. (laughs) But I remember thinking, what am I ever, I don't know what a canon is or a round. I was learning music theory, like, with me, when am I ever gonna play an instrument? And I was thinking, what good is this class? Take, and I remember they, they said, you need to listen to 20 hours of classical music. I just think, what good is classical music? And I still think, what good is classical music? I just alienate half of us. I don't care, what good is it? But then I began to remember conversations I had someone who loved classical music and I could say Beethoven (laughs) that's about it by the way (laughs) and I remember having friends who loved calculus and trigonometry and trying to labor our kids through it I used to wonder why I was born in Maryland and then I run into Terp fans all over the place and I can have a conversation with them because they're from Maryland. I used to wonder why I always liked Chevy vehicles and 66 Chevy Deuce Nova first car and a 75 Camaro and a 64 Chevy truck. And I used to wonder why I like Chevy so much. And now I'm one of the guys that gets along with Darren Smith because he likes Chevys. I used to wonder why God made me a carpenter and built homes for 10 years and because there's a group of men and women who love that trade and I can connect God to life through carpentry. I'm one of those men that love sports. I love playing them. I love everything about, I love the competition. I love the battle. I love the discipline. I love giving everything I got, even if it's badminton. Why? Because there's a world out there that loves sports. And I can engage them and have a conversation. Yesterday, I was following Northwood basketball. And they almost pulled off a regional championship. Why do I follow? So I can run into a Northwood basketball player and have a conversation about God. I was running on Benton Trailway this week, and there were... Ann and I were meeting up at a point where we're about to meet. She's, man, there's a lot of people out here that are on the trails. And this whole group of young guys came walking down, and I recognized them. I'm a, I, I love to read the news. I, I tell our guys, read the news so you know what's happening. And I recognized them. 
It's the Benton Bucks. I said, hey, Benton Bucks, basketball team. You guys were 35 and eight this year, and you're going for your national. And Caleb, you were player of the year two times. They looked at me. Now, I know those boys know Christ, but it gave me an opportunity to have a conversation about Jesus. I love to hunt. And you know what that does? It gives me a voice into someone's life that loves hunting. I have an MDiv, and there were times it was hard. 92 hours of master's level. They call it the big daddy. Oh, I didn't call it that a couple of nights. But why? I can have conversations with people that are interested, far from God, about God. I have a Harley Davidson, and it connects me to another world, and they see me pull up with my Harley. Instant connection. God and Harley's. I was a gearhead growing up, turning wrenches, and I worked on engines and tore them apart and rear ends and transmissions, and I spent most of my teenage years with wrenches in my hand. It allows me to have a conversation. I love to run, and man, there's runners everywhere. I can connect. I understand that runner's adrenaline, that feel that you get. Yeah, yeah, I know what that's like. Just don't say and put on social media what you're thinking after you've done that race. I love Alaskan shows on television and I watch them all, all the reality shows. I love Alaska. Man, there's a whole group of people who love Alaska. I say, yeah, did you, did you? I love sand sculptures on the beach. It gives me a chance. Kids come up with their parents and they they take pictures and I say, yeah, what's your name and where are you from? And God to life. I love broccoli and Brussels sprouts and I just alienated a whole bunch of us. I love the old Schwinn bikes. I had a, a gray ghost, and some of you might remember, 16-inch tire on the front, five-speed with shocks on the front and shocks on the back. It connects me to antique collectors. You see, all those things, I used to wonder, why am I taking this class? Why God was equipping me to fulfill his purpose for my life. You see, nothing we do is a waste of time. All of it is a connection and a conversation to point people to Jesus Christ. Eternity is real, Grace. The gospel is true. People's souls matter. Your life counts. Don't waste your purpose. God wants every person on planet Earth to hear the gospel. And listen, we are his only plan, and that is his will for you and me. And the method or the vehicle doesn't matter. Just take what you're doing, what you're good at. Use that to have a conversation. God has purpose for us. Imagine, if you can, there's a fire in your neighborhood. It's 2 a.m. and you wake up and the house across the street is inflamed. Fire trucks are rushing to the scene. Ambulances are coming and neighbors are gathered around and four or five trucks come rolling in and you're watching this house and no one's coming out and you, you realize that the people inside are sleeping and the, fire, the house is on fire. And you're finally glad that someone shows up. They show up and they get out of their trucks and they stand and they have a conversation. I wonder if they're sleeping. The firemen who are equipped to rescue those in the fire, to put out the fire, stand around and have a conversation. And they don't go in that. They don't take their axe and beat down the door. They don't pull out the hoses and 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 put the fire out. They just stand and watch. All the while, these people burn up in flames and die. I mean, what's wrong with that picture? Why would a fireman who's been equipped as a purpose on life to put out fires and to rescue people stand and watch people perish? But every day, your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate, That cashier in the marketplace, their house is inflamed. 
and they're burning. And if we don't get to them soon and snatch them from the fire, like Jude said, they will burn in hell. That's our purpose. We've been called to be firemen. We don't take the truck. We don't have the tools and stand and watch the house burn down. We run in full steam ahead and rescue people from the fire. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. How many of you even thought about that today? You see, there might be someone right beside you today. You might have walked right into this auditorium. You might be seated at home and your neighbor across the street has never heard you articulate that Jesus loves them. And you're a fireman and a firewoman. You don't get to choose your purpose. And keep in mind, we were made for God not vice versa. God uses us for his purpose. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. You could actually reach all of your goals and become a great success in your own eyes and in the world and still miss the purpose and call that God has on our lives. So how can we discover that purpose? It's clearly written in God's word. You don't have some secret coded password. You don't have to throw out a wet fleece. He's already given it to us. In fact, he is the designer. He's made us in such a way that we can fulfill the commitment and the purpose that he has on our lives. In fact, the Bible calls us something very special. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. I just want to show you what the designer has called us and how he sees us and how he sees you. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verse 10. Here it is. This is what we've been created to do by the creator, by the designer. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are God's handiwork. One translation says God's masterwork. You and me, God created us. We are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? What's it say? Good works, which God has already prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's masterpiece. He made us and created us. He said, this is the purpose of your life. Now, go live in that purpose. I've designed you to be built this way. Now, use it with your, in, in the workplace. Now, use it in the school. But your purpose and intent, what, the reason I created you is to fish for men. Let me explain for a second. In my hand, I have two pieces of wood that I created yesterday in, in my garage, in my shop. And if you didn't know what the purpose of this was, you would go to the designer and say, what's the purpose of that wood? Like, if I would see someone take this and they come up and say, oh, I know what the purpose is. This is a fan for Richard and Dar. If I would see someone do that, I would think, that's not why I made that. I didn't create that to be a fan for the Guffies. Or maybe someone comes up and says, you know what? I know what it is. It's a sign you put in your yard for an shock realty. No, that's not why I created this wood. And so what happens? We begin to use us and our abilities for what we think is best for us instead of going to the designer and say, why did you create us? You know, I'm the designer. And the truth is this. I created this, not for that, but I created this for this. And I had men make chairs, and we're going we're to bring our chairs to our mid-chapter meeting. The designer says, you were meant to be a chair. Not a fan, not a sign, but a chair. And sometimes I wonder, God looks down at us and says, I didn't create you to do that. I created you for this. And he made it simple. 
be a fisherman, Anthony. Be a fisherman, Richard. That's the purpose. That's why he's designed it. I don't care the method. All I know is wherever you're at, in the field of study that you're in, in the workplace, in the school, be a fisher of men. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are a work of God. Literally, that word masterpiece, that word workmanship, is the Greek word poma. It's God is composing into you something that glorifies him and it tells you that God has already predetermined the end of that work, that you will be complete and perfect when you complete the poem that he has written for your life. That good work and the power to do it has already been appointed to you. So every day that you and I get up, the plan is already out there. Go be fishers of men. Think about how beautiful that is for us today. Sometimes we get it all out of whack. Rick Warren, many years ago, wrote a book And short and sweet, he says, life is really about living for God and not for us. But honestly, how much of your day is already planned out just for you? How many of you came strategically to this service time because that's good for you so that you can do this afterwards or do this before? How many of you, your whole day is planned out because it's all about me? How many of you took a moment and thought, why did God create me? Did God create me for what I want or did God create me for this? How many of you, each morning you wake up, think, how can I fulfill the purpose of God in my life by sharing the gospel? How can I take what I've learned, all the experiences I had, all the people that I know, the places I live, the amount of information that's been given to me, how can I connect that and have a conversation with someone about God? That's why we're here, Grace Community. Rick Warren said, there's five purposes for man He said, you were made to bring him pleasure. We were made to worship him. And if we don't, we'll worship something else. And the truth is, some of you do. You worship your sports teams. You worship your possessions. You worship people. You worship your achievements. You worship your hobbies. You worship your job. Some of you worship your job. Oh, I need to help these people. Are you really helping them with Jesus? Or are you just getting a paycheck? Warren says you were made to live and grow in community. First sign of spiritual decline is inconsistent worship attendance. I watch it happen all the time. Well, I need to do this at work. Or I need to do this at home. I need to chase my kids down. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. It's I, 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 and you forget what is God's purpose for you. You were made to look more like Jesus. Way too many Christians grow older, but they don't grow up. We become whatever we are committed to. Let's be frank and honest. We want to be committed to what we want. You were made to serve in your assignment. A saved heart serves, not just filling out your desires. One of our goals for this year was to give and serve and connect I don't believe God's purpose for your life is to continue to sit in your seats every Sunday and then leave and not serve the local body of Christ. God wants you here to serve. Where are you serving? Come on, where, where, where are you serving? Are you just taking in information, more information? More, and you come, yes, you love to learn, but at some point you have to be on mission. The body of Christ, the gathering of the church is a place to serve. Yes, serve in the community, but serve your local church. You were made to tell others about Jesus in your job, in your school, in your home. And hear me out. If you're not fishing, you're not following God. What does a fisherman do in order to be a good fisherman? He makes sure he has the right bait to catch the fish. He makes sure he has the right equipment. He goes to the right pond or the right water place where the fish are biting. 
if you kept going to the same place, hear me out, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and you weren't catching fish there, at some point you would say, this is dumb. So what does a fisherman do? He moves to where the fish are open to conversation and want to bite the bait. He finds a location where the bait is dropped in the water. He uses different bait to, tell, to show the fish that he's interested in them and he hopes they take the bait. We have a man that lives across the channel down by the lake cottage that we have and all he does is fish. And I remember the first time we went in there and I said, oh my goodness, we're gonna lead this guy to Christ. Why? Because I'm gonna have a conversation about fishing and ice fishing this year. For the first time, I've never went ice fishing. My very first time, we bought the auger, we got the rods, and part of the reason was so we could reach the man across the channel. So Isaiah and Ann and I went down, and he was out, and, and, and so we dug a hole, in the, and we dropped our line in, and we stood there for 45 minutes, nothing! And I was fishing! And then we watched him come out, and, and he dropped the line in, fish, 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 fish. What did I do? I moved to where the fish were biting. And I asked him, what are you using for bait? And he showed us, and I learned, and we had a conversation. If some of us give up because we haven't had a bite in a long time. Maybe you need to change your pond. Maybe you need to look across the street. Maybe you need to go to a new... Le- body of water, maybe you need to change the bait. I would summarize it all this way. You are here to give, serve, and connect. And I would summarize pursuing the will of God in your life. Whatever you're good at, do it well to the glory of God and do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. The reason you have this job, the reason you're a single mom, the reason that you're a stay-at-home mom, the reason you're an artist, the reason you're a runner, the reason you compete, the reason you work is not for you, it's to connect people to God. Every single one of these purposes can be done as a mechanic, as a teacher, as a coach, as a welder, as an artist, as a CEO, as a pastor, as a stay-at-home mom, as a single person, as a married person, as an unemployed and an employed person. Don't walk past your assignments any longer. You were not put on earth to be remembered, but to prepare for eternity. Jesus had a hard conversation. I want you to look at Luke chapter 12. Turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 12, and look at verse 13. You were not put on earth to be, to, to be remembered, but to prepare for eternity. Look at Luke chapter 12. Incredible picture of this successful businessman. Praise God. I believe God gives certain people the gift of business, being able to profit, to form profitable businesses, but not to, for yourself to use it for his kingdom. It's, look at... Luke chapter, Luke chapter 12, it's the parable of the rich fool. And literally, it says in verse 16, then he said to them, Jesus said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my supplies, surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat and drink, have a retirement. In fact, retire early and collect seashells on the seashore and be married. In verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then you will get what you have prepared yourself for. This is how it will be with those whoever, whomever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. There is nothing immoral about what this man did. There was nothing that says that he cheated to get these surpluses and all this stockpile. There is nothing that says he stole, that he slept around, or he ripped off the poor. God called him a fool for one reason. He lived as if life on earth was all there was. Listen, we need to prepare for eternity the souls of others. Way too many people spend all their lives and resources and plans walking around and spending every waking moment planning how they can live their lives between the ages of 65 and 90 instead of the bazillion years of eternity. I wonder if pre-fall Adam understood this better than any of us when God came to him and said, this is your purpose, rule, multiply, produce, take care of. 
I believe he did because he had yet to sin. A lot is said in our circles today about legacy these days, but we must be careful not to allow that to be so earthly bound. One day we'll stand before God and I believe these two questions will matter the most. What did you do with Jesus and what did you do with what I gave you? Your talents, your skills, and your abilities. The best use of your life is to use it for something that outlasts you. I've heard every excuse under the sun. After a while, it's like, come on, dude, especially for men. Well, I need to work and I need to do this. I'm going to unplug here because these people are important. I'm thinking, how important are they? Are you sharing Christ with them? If you're spending 100 hours a week telling them about Jesus, then I agree. But if you're just out there 100 hours a week and you're just making money, then you aren't living out your purpose. You're not living out your designed life. Jesus had some hard-hitting words to say to servants. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the men that, 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 that had talents and one guy buried the talent. And so Jesus says this to him in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 25 and verse 16. It says, look at 16. He says, the man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Then it says in verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. One translation has you worthless fool. Why? Because he took the gift, the talent, the ability that God had built in him. He had a purpose for his life. His purpose and his tool was literally to get under the sink and turn a nut. That was what God designed you for. And the man, you and woman, he's saying that took what God designed you to do and use it for you instead of for his purpose. He says, you are fool, you're worthless, and you are wicked. Could it be that Jesus regards all of us who sit faithfully in church services each weekend, checking off all the boxes, but failing to give away our lives for his kingdom as worthless, wicked, lazy, fool? There's a story told about William Borden that is convicting, and I want to read it to you. In 1904, William Borden graduated from high school. He was the heir to the Borden family fortune. At the time, the Borden Milk Company was one of the most profitable businesses in the United States, which would have made young William one of the richest men in the country. Upon graduation, his parents gave him a luxurious graduation gift, a trip across the globe. Something happened on that trip, however, that his parents were not anticipating. Borden became overwhelmed by the world's lostness. He couldn't get over the masses of people with no chance of hearing the gospel. Borden was a new believer and he wanted to do something about it. William told his father that he didn't want to take on the family business. He wanted to be a missionary. His parents were furious, but William told him that he would divert any inheritance he received into mission. Some of William's Christian friends even told him, you're throwing everything away. You're wasting your life. But Borden wouldn't be dissuaded. After graduating from the University of Yale and then Princeton Seminary, he climbed aboard a ship headed for China. Because Borden intended to work with Muslims in China, he stopped in Egypt to spend time learning Arabic. One month after arriving, however, he contracted spinal meningitis and died. He was 25 years old. Back in the United States, headlines proclaimed the tragic news. The stories echoed the advice of Borden friends and family had given him. What a waste of life. But Borden didn't think so, as the story goes. While on his deathbed, someone asked if he had any final words. He pulled out his Bible, turned to a blank page at the back, and wrote, no regrets. 
From the perspective of the world, Borden's life was wasted. From the perspective of eternity, it wasn't. His was not a wasted life, but a worthy one. William Borden is buried in a small cemetery in Cairo, Egypt. The cemetery is so far out of the way that if you don't know where you are and what you are looking for, you'll never find his tombstone. His tombstone is bunched up among many others, and the writing on it is so faint you can barely read it, but if you get down real close, you can make out a single sentence. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Will that be true of your life? Or will the neighbor's house burn down on your watch? And you've been called to be a fireman. And they will go to hell. Because you needed to look after your interests more than the interests and the purpose that God has called you to live. Oh, God, help us. Shake us up, God. Some of us are seated in the same seat we were a year ago, and we haven't moved an inch. We amen, and we hallelujah, and we say we love God, and we sign up for another remarkable woman, another fight club. We sing the songs, and we worship God. Yet as soon as we're able, we chase what we want instead of what you want. There is a world outside our windows that needs Jesus. May we live to our purpose and reach this lost world. And may there be a revival like we've never witnessed before because... We live out the purpose that God has called us to. Be a fisher of men. In Jesus' name, amen.